I'm recording. Yep. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, today, on what will probably be a longer-than-usual episode, we'll be discussing the big news of the past couple of weeks, Trump's COVID diagnosis. We'll also be discussing the debates, and we'll be discussing some interesting developments in the Arkansas Senate race. Uh, we're going to start out with some a note from the last episode. Uh, we have been... Uh, we were talking about the California wildfires, and we gave the impression that the wildfires were mostly due to uh, poor forest management, not enough controlled burns, too much fuel on the ground. While that's certainly part of it, there's been, uh, probably because Trump brought it up at the debates, there's been a lot of uh, discussion and analysis about it recently. Um, and a lot of very smart people are saying that global warming does is playing a very big role in this um, by increasing the temperatures, drying everything out more. Um, so we wanted to, and we'll, we'll uh, post the uh, link from Eniash's other podcast. Um, <laughs> has a, a really, the Bayesian conspiracy that has a, a pretty good rundown of... Uh, a lot of the the writing and studies that have been done on it. Yeah, there was a bunch. Um, I have definitely updated uh, st uh, quite a bit towards global warming is definitely a contributing factor. I don't know enough to say how much of one, but it certainly seems, you know, not something that should be uh, brushed away. I did uh, pull up a global map of wildfires, and there is a striking discontinuity on the um, U.S.-Canadian border. So I haven't finished the latest episode of the Bayesian Conspiracy, but I would like to uh, hear some explanation for why global warming stops at the U.S.-Canada border before I buy the uh, global warming is seriously, seriously important explanation. Oh, we didn't address that at all, but there is a uh, huge firebreak on the border. They keep, uh, God, what is it, 50 feet on each side from the border cleared of vegetation, I think? Not sure exactly how big the, the uh, clearing is. So your proposal is just that Canada is also a tinderbox? It just happens that right now America is on fire, but at some point Canada will be on fire and America won't be? I have no idea what is going on with Canada. I haven't looked into it at all. I was just saying I'm not surprised that fires don't jump the border. Well, global warming, if if you'll recall, has I think it, the biggest estimates are that temperatures have gone up by about one and a half degrees Celsius. Well, because of global warming. Well, if I understand right, one of the key properties of global warming is that it is global, which means yes. that any effects from global warming would not recognize the U.S.-Canada border. Right. But Canada, and I'm no expert on Canada, but the one thing I do know about Canada is that it's quite cold. Uh, probably a degree and a half Celsius colder than uh, Northern California. Yeah, but there are like five fires big enough to be... Um, marked on this map clustered on the Washington side of the Canada-Washington border and none on the um, British Columbia side. And are we sure that's accurate? That there are actually no fires in I Canada? I mean, this same map is showing fires in Europe and Africa, so, like, I think it's using, like, luminosity data, so yes. Okay, well, I don't, uh, I haven't looked into that specifically, huh. but... Uh, we'll we'll address it on the next episode. Okay. I guess. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have a bonus episode on fires. <laughs> maybe the, the the slash between U.S. and Canada, the vegetation is only twenty feet wide, not fifty. So there we go. All right. So into the news section. Trump has coronavirus. Who could have guessed this would happen? <laughs> yeah. Um. On the one hand, you know, uh, it's not surprising at all. But on the other hand. It is amazing that he is actually facing some it, some kind of consequences uh, for all the reckless behavior he's been engaged in. Uh, to me, the surprising part is that it took this damn long. He's been reckless for quite a while. Yeah, it. Uh, it. You know, I. I. I was convinced he wasn't going to get it because he had access to good testing, 
and he was just testing everyone around him and making sure that anyone who got close to him was tested. But apparently it wasn't good enough. Um, I think everyone's seen by now the uh, Amy Coney Barrett nomination party that was likely the event that caused all these different Republicans to to get the virus. <laughs> um, yeah. Sounds like karma to bit, me. A little bit of schadenfreude on that one. Um, I was originally worried because I thought, you know, a certainly a competent uh, politician could have played this in a way that got them some sympathy, maybe increased uh, their share of the vote. But Trump, in his usual manner, just made it a completely partisan thing and made it all about how he's just a complete idiot. So his numbers have been trending downward ever since. Huzzah! Cheers for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ineash, you had a you wanted to share this uh, marginal revolution article. Yeah, and I'm sure this was not um, at all uh, confined just to uh, Tyler Cohen here. I I would um, Cowan. I, mean, I even thought of Cowan. Oh, Cowan. Okay, thank you. Uh, okay. I thought of it at the time. I'm sure tons of people have as well. But it was the first place I saw it linked um, and on the internet. Uh, and written out was when he said, is it wrong if I ask for the same treatment? Because Trump uh, ran up and not ran up. I mean, was carted into the hospital and uh, then got all the experimental treatments that are out there. The antibodies, <clears throat> excuse me, all that other stuff, not the hydroxyclin. So uh, not at all surprisingly, despite how much he said it was great earlier in the year. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it was hydro yeah. something. Who's surprised that Trump <laughs> it ended up not taking hydroxychloroquine? Yeah, because it, I am not. No. But he got uh, the stuff that has not been approved by the FDA, and uh, he was able just to be like, hey, I'd like the good stuff that hasn't been approved. And they said, sir, yes, sir, here you go. And uh, basically no one else in our country could do that. Like... I mean, I could certainly go to a doctor and ask for the uh, not yet approved FDA treatment, and he would tell me I would like to keep my medical license, so no. And uh, I, Tyler Cowan, Cohen? Cowan. Damn, Cowan, okay, thank you. Uh, pointed out that uh, that's kind of bullshit, that um, the FDA is, is allowing these treatments for some people, but uh, just not letting the general public get their hands on it if they are willing to take the risk, which, you know... Trump obviously was, and some people in the general public might be as well, but that doesn't matter. We don't get a say. If we get COVID, we can suck eggs. Yeah, and it really uh, just shows that they know that it's a good treatment. They know it's safe enough to be worthwhile, and it's just they have other priorities. I don't know what those priorities are. Uh, I'm sure David has theories, but their their, their priorities are not getting the sick people well no um because that was the priority with trump so they gave him the uh the mono monoclonal antibodies yeah yeah no the this is like this is the standard story about the fda if they approve a drug that turns out to be bad then they'll lose their jobs and become a laughing stock if not hated and if they don't approve a drug that is safe, no one ever learns about it, except in this one particular case where if they don't give Trump the drug, then they're the idiot who killed the president. But you're not the president, and per Stalin, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic, so you can go suck eggs. But the thing is, if they gave him the treatment and he died from it, then they're, they're, then they're the idiots that killed the president. The fact that they did it shows they know it's not going to kill him. Or at least it's so unlikely that it's worth the risk. Yeah. Which is really what all of us want. A treatment that works and is so unlikely to kill you that it's worth the risk. Exactly. But we are just plebes, so we do not get the good treatment. My favorite part of this story, when... So he had this amazing plan that I am so sad he didn't do. He wanted to, when he was leaving the hospital after his COVID diagnosis and treatment, he wanted to walk out like with a cane and like shambling. Um, And then once he got outside, drop the cane, tear off his shirt and have a Superman shirt on underneath it. (laughs) Oh, God, that would have been awesome. That would have been fantastic. I know. 
<laughs> he can't. He seriously wanted to do it, and for some reason, these idiots talked him out of it. It would have been the most Trump thing of this year. Oh my no, God. the most Trump thing would have been if after he tore off the super or the shirt and had the Superman short out under it, they had a small ramp and he ran down it and then bragged about running down it for <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> that oh my god it could have been awesome see this could have been the world we live in mm-hmm. but but there are still some adults in the room and they're not enough to do like the important stuff like wrestle the nuclear launch codes away from a president who's on drugs that make him psychotic more on that later but they are enough to keep him from doing the fun things that won't blow up the world Right? How is that no one can talk Trump out of doing all the shit he's actually done, and yet this is the thing he listens about? Ugh, it's very upsetting. Uh, and speaking of upsetting, Trump uh, was diagnosed, what, eight days ago? Uh, yeah, it was, it was on the, the, the first or second, so it was about eight days ago. He's having a rally tonight. Uh, we're recording this Monday night. So he's currently, as we're speaking, at an in-person rally. Good plan, great plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's he's and 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 his he had some doctor put out a letter saying that he's, you know, had had multiple negative tests and clearly definitely not contagious. Um I'm not sure. Which is just I mean, oh, uh, it's just insane. So didn't didn't his doctors also say that he was the fittest man in America or something? Yeah. Yes, they did say. Uh that. yeah. So, if I were to look up this letter, would it by any chance be signed by Dr. Donald Trump Jr., Ph.D., M.D.? I think it was Dr. Mantis Toboggan. <laughs> That's not a real name. Yes, it is. Look it up. <laughs> um, so, but, uh, so that's how Trump's handling this. And so we're going to move on to the debate. Which uh, I I forced David to watch so he can comment on it with me. But one of the things I want to mention uh, to transition here is that Wrong. Trump. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's I think, Tr- news. I think he's doing the the the. Oh the oh okay, thing. gotcha. It, he's trying to throw me off my game, but it's not going to work. Socialism is kind of how the debate went. <laughs> <laughs> the debate. So before the debate, Trump definitely had COVID at the debate. Mm-hmm. Because he was, it came out that he had it like like two nights later, and due to the incubation period, um, he would have definitely had it. And he, uh, I, I found this out later. He was supposed to take a COVID test before the debate, but you know, miraculously, showed up too late to be able to take the test before he went on stage. Mm. So this says to me he definitely knew. Like I, I don't know. That is just way too convenient. Did he I did he just think that he was going to never have any symptoms or something? That he could ride this out and no one would ever find out that he had COVID? I don't see why that wouldn't be his plan. <sighs> that does sound like a Trump I thing mean, to think. He's like, ah, I'm big and strong. I'll just ride it out and no one right. will even notice. I had a small fever at one point. I mean, it's not even that out of the ordinary for the president to hide any health problems he has. Yeah. But now, this is, like, a little different than that, but... You know, maybe his symptoms wouldn't be that bad, and then he'd never have to tell anybody. Yeah, but it was, you know, very contagious, and this was a populated event. Oh, yeah, he didn't care about that. Yeah. Um, but I I just, I'm... The other thing is, his doctor came out while he was in the hospital and said something about having him, uh, ha- having diagnosed him 72 hours before, which put would have put his diagnosis on Wednesday night. Uh, which was before he went to several events. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the doctor uh, later later claimed he had misspoken and after, after he got a talking to from the administration. But uh, to me, that's also very suspicious. Is this just one of those, like, sacrifices must be made for the greater good I will expose people? Well, I mean, to Trump, everything that helps him is the greater good. It just seems like this is the sort of thing that people should be punished for and... Like, no one ever will be. Like, if you know you have a contagious disease and you go around spreading it anyway, how is that not basically evil? I mean, I think you can be sued for that. Can you? I thought they uh, Um, established with the HIV thing in the 80s that you could not. 
Is that right? I didn't know about that. Uh, originally, there was a law that you could, and it had such bad knock-on effects that they um, revoked it because it really um, incentivized people to just never get tested because as long as you didn't know, you couldn't be held yeah. liable. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's HIV-specific uh, or if it just applies to intentionally infecting anyone with a disease. I'm pretty sure that they talked about this on all the president's lawyers, and I can't remember what the conclusion was. Um, but I feel like I probably would remember if it was, if the conclusion was, oh yeah, he's definitely liable for this. Uh, I think the conclusion was that it's something that normals could, uh, be liable for, but, um, it was probably not something covered under the, or it was something that under the Federal Tort Claims Act, um, it could get removed to, uh, like the government defending uh, instead of Trump personally, and there is not an exception for uh, to sovereign immunity from um, spreading contagious disease. So there no, no. would be if a... he's if he spread it in his capacity as president of the United States, then yeah, then the defendant there is the United States government, and they're immune. Yeah. Uh, but I think he did a lot of things, including campaign events, where he can't use that shield. He can't claim to be representing the United States at a partisan campaign event. I think there's some I feel like he where... probably could. Like, he shouldn't, I mean, he'd claim it, but... but... Yeah. I think there's some places where if you're, like, not wearing a mask and you get in a dispute with someone, like, walking up to them and coughing at them is considered assault. I don't know, like how much leg that has to would have to stand on in a court but i've heard people being you know warned not to do that because it's considered assault in this area or something yeah i mean in just normal circumstances spitting on someone is assault okay um coughing on them with the intent to harm them uh probably qualifies i mean this would be people who think that they're COVID negative anyway just coughing as you know sort of a asshole threat sort of thing Right, but it's it's to do psychological harm at the very least. Okay. Um, that's either... Uh, assault Assault also is like a weird uh, tort because you don't actually have to touch someone to be a, for it to be an assault. They just have to be put in imminent apprehension of being touched. Hmm. So, but him yeah, just being weird. sick near people wouldn't count as assault then. No. Um, but anyway, that debate, man... <laughs> David, David, what are your thoughts on the debate? It was dumb and bad, and it's an hour and a half. I won't get back, and I will resent you forever for it. Uh, That just warms my heart. I watched it, and I really, really wished it had been a drinking game that I was playing, because... That would have been that would probably would have been a lot of fun getting more drunk as it went on, and just watching it sober made it more and more less fun as it went on. Yeah. Um, I watched it. I was really glad that Trump just behaved like a complete child, uh, and had to be like, had to have like the daddy moderator give him a talking to, um, because I thought Biden did not do very well. Like I did not like his answers. Uh, he seemed, you know, kind of old, kind of not very quick on his feet. Um, and I, and I don't think the answers he gave were very good on substance to most of the questions. But it was all overshadowed by how childish Trump was. So uh, I feel like Trump really saved him. Well, you wouldn't, be honest. you wouldn't think his answers were good on substance unless he advocated, like, the dissolution of the Supreme Court and Im- an immediate <laughs> transfer of the U.S. economy to five-year central plans. Damn, dude. No. That is the strongest straw man in the strawverse. I mean, does it count as a straw man when it's an obvious joke? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I plead I, the fifth. Okay, I want to get this on the record so that, just to be perfectly clear, I recognize that Wes is not a communist. I don't know. Wes, are you a communist? <laughs> I uh, am not now and have never been a member of the Communist Party. <laughs> A very Weasley, but technically correct answer. <laughs> hey, if you're going to come at me with McCarthyism, I'm going to come right back with nice. it. Nice. 
Um, but no, I thought his like just knowing what his platform is, what his what the party wants to do, and what is popular. Um, I thought you know there could have been way better answers to a lot of the questions. Um, especially, I didn't like his weasel answer on whether he's going to pack the court. Uh, I don't know how hard it is to say uh, I don't want to pack the court. I'd really rather not pack the court. But the Republicans stole a Supreme Court seat from us in 2016 by making up a fake rule, and now they're breaking that rule to, to shove another conservative justice on the court, and we cannot let them get away with that. We just can't. So I invite the Republicans to do the honorable thing and withdraw this nomination, but if they don't, then all options are on the table, and we're going to have to see what happens. That See, that would have been noteworthy. Like, I honestly, it's been, what, two weeks since the debate? Yes, yeah. two weeks since the debate. Aside from the um, stand down and stand by, I do not remember a single answer either one of them gave because there just there was nothing there to really latch onto beside the normal pablum. And really, it all came down to the tone is what I remember. The just constant bickering and childishness. And that uh, that was the memorable part. Yeah. yeah. Well, th so those are related. So, Wes, here's my problem with that position, though. The mm -hmm. approval rating for packing the Supreme Court is in the single digits and yeah by the by the well, polling numbers true. as of the debate like biden has this in the bag if the election was on debate night yeah. then biden would be the president-elect uh so yeah. like at that point at that point it was biden's game to lose and like if he does pack the supreme court then like I'll hate that because I think the Supreme Court is the only part of the government that's not shit, and we all know how that game will end with every single American being a member of the Supreme Court. But, like, I, I completely understand Biden's reticence about answering that question directly. He had, like, if I were Biden, I would have just given a flat denial and then walked it back if I wanted to pack the Supreme Court. But given that apparently he doesn't want to do that for some reason, then I think that was a perfectly sensible political strategy. I, I see. I disagree because I, I think what he said and what I said are basically the same thing on substance. Um, you know, he basically said, well, eh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I think he just said it in a way that sounds maximally weaselly. I think if he said it your way, though, he would have lost votes. So the winning move is to say it maximally weaselly and then do what you're going to do anyway afterwards. But I don't think that would have lost votes. If it really like is pulling in the single digits, it might. Yeah, but I think if he says, I don't want to pack the court, but if they force our hand, I'm not going to unilaterally disarm. I don't think that loses him votes. I think that makes him look tough. Yeah. Like, I, I think people don't want to pack the court, but... I also don't think they want to say like, oh, well, we're just going to like lie down and take this. Like that's people. Hate, that's like Democrats brand and people hate it. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if I think he would have I think it would have been a moment for him to be like, look, we're not going to be complete cowards about this. We're not going to just lay down and take it. We're going to do something. I don't know if that's going to be court packing, but that's a weapon in our arsenal that I am not going to take out uh, just because. You know, the Republicans don't like. I mean, I do think Biden's the last person in the world to change the Democrat brand. I mean, a lot more, yeah, a lot more true. than the Republicans don't like it. But more importantly, there's a difference between doing court packing and saying you're going to do court packing. Right, but there's also a difference between saying you're doing court packing and saying you know you might do court packing if you're forced into it, but you don't not want to. in the minds of people making campaign ads for Trump. Eh, I don't yeah, know about that. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that if Biden had uh, said what you had said he should have said, then he would have gotten, quote, mined into oblivion and lost at least mm. a couple of points off his polls. I don't think so. But it's uh, a counterfactual world that we cannot evaluate on this podcast. Not wrong. It's weird because when Trump said that, like, you know, someone asked him about nuclear weapon usage, and he goes, hey, all options are on the table. Like, I don't know, the media freaked out, but it didn't seem to affect the numbers of his polling at all. So maybe Biden saying all options are on the table wouldn't have changed things much either. Right. I don't think anyone cares when politicians say that all the time. Nobody cares. Yeah, maybe. It's, it, you know, I think if he said, yes, we're going to do court packing, that would have lost him votes. But I think if he says, eh, I don't know. I don't want to, but 
We'll see. Like that's that's not that's not a commitment to do anything, and no one will care. If nothing else, it's a riskier move than just weaseling. And now is not the time to be risky when you have the election in the back. I guess. All right. So it sounds like there's not going to be a second debate because Trump is a walking plague, and Biden. the The debate commission said, "Okay, we'll we'll do the second debate, which was supposed to be later this week, virtually." And Trump said no. Uh, it sounds like because he just doesn't want them to have a mute button on him, because he wants to just be fr- you know, be be free to interrupt whenever he wants, and he can't stand the idea that someone could mute him. Uh, so he said no. Let's do the debate. Biden said no. We, we're, we'll we'll follow the debate commission. Then Trump wanted to move it uh, back a week, and add, so the third debate would be on the 29th. Biden said no. We have the debate schedule now. Um, so what it looks like is going to happen is they're just not going to have the second debate, and then they're going to have the third debate on the 22nd. Uh, I think this is a good move by Biden, because like I said, I think he was bad in the debate. Uh, and I think Trump's not going to be worse than he was at the first one. Uh, and if that's the only debate people have in their minds, I think that's good for Biden. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that Biden was actually pretty good in the first debate, uh, but more importantly, just like, he still has a massive lead in polls, uh, both nationally and more importantly in swing states. And right now, if like again, if the election was tonight, then Biden would win, and so he has basically nothing to lose. Or sorry, nothing to gain. Yeah. As I was saying on the Discord, um, what Biden needs is for nothing to happen between now and the election, and debates are something. Uh, so therefore, debates are bad. Yeah. So if he can get out of being in a debate without uh, it looking bad, then I think that's something he should do. Yeah. I think that's a bad idea on Trump's part. Yeah. Because right now, like, Biden, they're looking for Biden to make a mistake, I think. And so the more Biden gets out there, the more opportunity there is for a mistake. And uh, this just removes one opportunity for him to fuck something up. All right. We all agree. Okay. I just had an idea for a galaxy brain electoral system where uh, the uh, election takes place on a randomly chosen day in election year. Just like every day you roll a 365 sided die and if it comes up one then the election is that day. You roll it like 8am on the east coast. Uh, That sounds silly. I agree. (laughs) Uh, on to the vice presidential debate, uh, which was boring, I thought. Um, Pence is much better at this than Trump is. He is also the was... Lord of the Flies. <laughs> he is. That was fun when the fly landed on his head. Um, yeah, I think Pence, you know, his answers were just like complete horseshit to most questions. Um, and... You know, I Harris gets talked up a lot as this she's a prosecutor, so she's like great at these debates. And you know, I think she's fine, but she was not very effective calling out Pence's lies. Um she wasn't that effective refuting his points. You know, I think if I didn't know anything about what was going on and I watched that debate, I'd be like, Yeah, that Mike Pence sounds like a uh, reasonable guy. Um, the fact that I do know a lot of the background of what they were talking about means I knew Trump or uh, the, I knew Pence was just making stuff up. But it was, you know, mostly it was just boring and it seems to not have changed anything. Uh, did you guys watch that debate? No, nope, David, I assume you did because I have a life. <laughs> yeah, you did, really didn't miss much. I did not. I don't think a VP debate has ever changed anyone's opinion in the history of the world. So, yeah, I didn't bother. I am given to understand that. They asked the only question that matters for vice presidents, which is under what circumstances and what will happen if you need to take office. And oh, they yeah, both dodged it. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was so dumb. But that was the whole debate. Like, the moderator would ask a question, and they would be like, whatever, I don't care about that. Here's the <laughs> section of my stump speech that I want to read. <laughs> and there were no follow-up questions uh, or anything. They kept, they like, oh. They, they just kept asking Pence to answer for Trump, and he'd just be like, oh, whatever. Let's talk about the Supreme Court. So it was dumb. I'm 
think you made the right choice not watching it. Um, one of the notable things, uh, mostly because we have a uh, CDC is terrible watch here, is that Mike Pence was in close proximity to Donald Trump while he had COVID. And the CDC uh, gave him the okay and said it was safe for him to participate in the debate um, because the CDC is terrible and just doesn't actually care about their mission at all. I did not know that, and that's not surprising, but it is disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on to a much better story. Uh, this, I just we just saw today. Uh, David shared this. Uh, do you want to introduce it? Yeah, so um, the, uh, the Libertarian Party has put up a candidate for the senatorial race in, Con- in um, Arkansas. Um, the fellow is named Ricky Dale Harrington Jr. He is a, um, a prison chaplain, uh, and he is running against law and order candidate and confirmed piece of human garbage, Tom Cotton, and he's actually pulling reasonably well. Um, he, uh, PBS is airing a debate between quote unquote the two of them, which Cotton has refused to participate in because aforementioned human piece of garbage. And uh, PBS is going ahead with the debate, so um, uh, Harrington is just going to get basically interviewed about his position. And considering that. Like, it's not a super tight race. Like, I would not bet on Harrington, but uh, it's uh, 11 points. Um, uh, which, like, there have been bigger swings in electoral history, even in October. Uh, so, yeah, I I think this is one to watch. Um, I, I'm not sure if this is going to edge out... Um, um, Jamie Harrison versus Lindsey Graham as my favorite Senate race race to watch, but it's definitely a contender. Yeah, and this story is really interesting because the Democrats were running a candidate in this race, and the candidate, for reasons unknown, probably blackmail, uh, dropped out of the race after the filing deadline. Sorry, do we have a reason for thinking it was probably blackmail? Um, I saw something about how so, uh, how um, Tom Cotton's campaign was at a campaign event saying they had some kind of information on him that they were going to wait until after the filing deadline to release. Hmm. Uh, so, okay. Well, yeah, that was I, you know, I Googled it. I read a couple stories about it and that came up. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I don't think anything's been confirmed. But for whatever reason, the Democratic candidate dropped out after the filing can deadline so the democrats aren't running anybody so this is a huge opportunity for the libertarian party to step in as the not republican party um and if you remember one of my troop deployments many episodes ago was that this is exactly what the libertarian party should be focusing their efforts are finding places where one of the two parties isn't running and stepping in as the uh, the other candidate and this is what they're doing there and i hope that they take whatever money that they had collected for their doomed presidential campaign and immediately redirect it all to Arkansas. Because if they can get a senator, um, that's it. That's real power. They could influence policy. That would be huge. Well, they've had senators in the past, but yeah, it was always good for them when they did. Did they have senators that were members of the party? Weren't, I mean, Ron Paul was for sure, right? Ron Paul ran as a Republican. Yeah, there. I'm pretty sure. So there have been... Um, there have been self-described libertarian Republicans, uh, and one of the Republicans uh, in the in Congress. I can't remember who, but it's going to come to me as soon as I stop thinking about it. Uh, left the party um, and refiled as a libertarian, but. As far as I know, he did that after 18, so he hasn't won an election as a Libertarian. Aha. I could have sworn. Yeah, this would be the biggest victory for the Libertarian Party probably ever, if they can pull this off. And they really have a chance. It's 38 to 49 right now. 
Um, but this is the first I've heard about it, and I follow the news pretty closely. So I think it's safe to say that a, probably a lot of the voters in Arkansas don't know anything about this libertarian candidate or know that that the Democrats not running. I think that they could if they if they get the word out that voting against Tom Cotton doesn't mean voting for a Democrat. Yeah. Then they have a I think they have a real chance here. So I'm going to I'm going to be watching this pretty closely. David, it's a mosh. Just an mosh. Yep. 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 That's it. Yeah. And he's not running for reelection. Yeah. So there's no way that that he's getting reelected. Okay, so there's literally never been a libertarian elected to the Senate. That is so weird. I've always thought of Ron Paul and and his son Rand as so libertarian that I thought they were in the party, but no. There's a lot of there've been a plenty of Republicans who describe themselves as libertarians, but nobody who's gotten elected who isn't on the Republican ticket. So that's why people are often conflating libertarians with Republicans. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Ron yeah. did run as president as a libertarian so after he left the senate or did he re-enter the senate as republican after that i'm pretty sure he i'm pretty sure that running as running for president as a libertarian was like the last thing he did in politics so he left the senate to run and then didn't come back all right that is my recollection as well uh all right Next story is it came out this week that uh, Nancy Pelosi has been negotiating with the Trump administration on a new COVID relief bill, uh, which, if you'll recall, you know, they passed the big one at the beginning of the summer and there's just been nothing since. So all the unemployment insurance has run out. There's no aid for state and local governments. Um, and a lot of people are predicting that the economy is going to really not do well. Um, so far, the numbers have been pretty okay, largely because of that uh, previous bill. Um, and they're, it sounds like what they're doing is just bypassing the Senate. And Trump and is, is negotiating directly with Nancy Pelosi. Um, it, earlier in the week, they said they were close to a deal. I checked back today. Now they're, they say they're not that close. Um, but hopefully this is the last chance for something to get done before the election. Um, and I think I said this on previous episodes. I've been very confused about why the Republicans are so dead set against any kind of COVID relief before the election. This is could only help them. Yeah. And the Democrats have been pushing for it, even though it would help the Republicans. Um, so I guess this is like, points in favor of them being actually ideological not just opportunist uh which is surprising to me i don't think they get any points in that column because they've been spending like drunken socialist sailors for the last four years (laughs) well that's what i thought so why won't they do it now when it could actually help them? because they're idiots they're all idiots fair enough i i mean i think that trump is a flaming idiot and so he's behind the republicans not doing it and that's not surprising at all. I honestly... But he's not. What do you mean he's not? It's He's not... McConnell doesn't want to do it. The Senate Republicans don't want to do it. That is weird. Like, when you you say Pelosi is trying to get it passed, I honestly... Maybe this is me being too cynical, but I think she's putting on a show of trying to get it passed and would never actually do it before the election, uh, regardless of if all the Republicans suddenly folded she finds some way to delay it to make excuses but i don't know you think she's in good good faith trying to get it passed before i i don't know if she's doing that now um i i kind of suspect that she is because i don't otherwise i don't know why she would be doing this the the democrats already passed a big bill in the beginning of the summer they tried again about a month ago to try to get it passed i don't think it's going to help her electorally to say like oh i'm negotiating with the president we're going to do it um i think if anything that just makes trump look more reasonable than he actually is um but by all accounts the democrats actually do want to pass a COVID relief bill um it's possible that if they do reach a bill, there could they could be some delays until after the election. They might try to pull that, but at least before now, it's they've they've been behaving exactly like someone would if they actually wanted to pass the bill. Maybe we've been far too cynical this whole time. 
That can't possibly be true. <laughs> it's got to be some other explanation. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know either. But it's uh, it's I notice I am confused. Yeah. So uh, I'm marking that down as a uh, possible problem with my map of how Congress works. All right. Next story is a fun story. A uh, it came out this week that the FBI apprehended an armed militia who was plotting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, who is the governor of Michigan. Uh, 13 people were arrested um, for conspiracy, and apparently they were pretty far along in this plan that they were going to storm the state house, kidnap the governor, and like take her to a holding area. Yeah, I never know how to take stories about FBI um, stopping things from happening, because it seems the majority of the time... It's like they talked some schlubs into openly discussing their fantasies and then arresting them for it. And I just, I I have very little faith that the FBI actually stopped something that was actually going to happen. But, I mean, on the other hand, sometimes these things do happen. Crazy cultists killed some actresses in Hollywood trying to start a race war. Uh, Timothy McVeigh bombed the, the federal building. Like, every now and then there are crazy lone wolf plans to do dumb things that just end up killing a ton of people and and not doing anything but it just it seems to me the incidence rate of those are so low and the incidence of the fbi framing and planting stuff on people who honestly probably were never going to do anything aside from playing you know cops and robbers in the woods it just i i think this would have come to nothing but they needed to make an example i don't know i I will say, though, this was a right-wing group. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer is a very outspoken um, opponent of Trump's, and the Department of Justice is led by Bill Barr. And Trump has several times tweeted, liberate Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, so if this was, like, not a total nothing burger, then I feel like Interior Minister Bill Barr would have put a stop to it. By it, I mean the the um, arrest slash prosecution, not the plan itself. Well, they, they yeah. just arrested them a few days ago. Maybe he's going to that point, or I don't know. Maybe he doesn't care enough. Yeah, he also just could have had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th- and I do take your point that the FBI often instigates this sort of thing themselves. Um, but I also don't find it to be a particularly extraordinary claim that some right-wing extremists were planning on some kind of, you know, violent overthrow. No, it wouldn't surprise uh, me if they tried. I think, yeah, there's a lot of certainly talk about that these days, and um, you know, it just it's not it's not that surprising to me that somebody was actually going to do something about it. But I guess we'll keep an eye on this story and see if anything else comes out about it. Wasn't it just last year? Maybe two years ago, where that uh, that group took over a federal wildlife building or something that some rangers were staying at? Or was it abandoned at the time? I don't know. I don't know yeah, that story. I didn't hear about it. Oh, that. it was just a group of militia up in one of the northwestern states, I think. Uh, there was a just a small federal, officially it's a federal building, but, you know, it's a small cabin where rangers go sometimes. And they went and seized it and said, you know, this is ours now. No feds allowed here. And there was a standoff, not really standoff, kind of like a siege that lasted for a month or so. And eventually they arrested them uh, when they were coming into town to get supplies. <clears throat> You don't remember this? It was. I, I, I'm sorry. No. They they seized a federal building and didn't have the plans they'd need to make it self-sustaining. What? <laughs> you need to have like some some supplies to get you through the winter and some seeds and cows. That's just sloppy okay, planning. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it was an armed anti-government took over a federal wildlife refuge in Oregon. <laughs> the uh, Bundys. You remember the Bundys? Interesting. Yeah, one of them was the son of Clive oh, and Bundy, yeah, who had Bundys. done the big... Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, while you were looking that up, I got some more details on this uh, Gretchen Whitmer plot. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Um, so so there's two details I found out, that, uh, one of which, that both of which go in different directions. One of which is that the group who was doing this was called the Wolverine Watchmen. <laughs> so, okay. Those sound like some guys who think they're superheroes. Yes. Although, although right-wing 
nut jobs tend to style themselves after Punisher more than uh, Wolverine. Oh, could be the Wolverines from uh, Red Rising Dawn? Red Dawn Rising? Whatever that movie was where the communists invaded America and so these teenagers had to kick them out. You keep mentioning things and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my god, there, there was a movie where Soviet Russia invaded America and a bunch of kids in Colorado with rifles kicked them out and they called themselves the Wolverines. I vaguely remember okay. hearing about something like that, but there's never actually strong seen... evidence in my in favor of my Inyasha's a boomer theory. I've, I've never <laughs> seen this film, but here it is. It's called Red Dawn. I've never seen this film, but I heard it referenced to so many times because of how ridiculous it was that I just thought everyone knew about it. Okay, yeah, th- okay, this boomer. is go. This is right at the top of the list of. Uh, of uh, Mind Killer Movie Club. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> All right. So the the other detail is that the FBI admitted that they had one of the members on the inside uh, was a plant. Uh, was a they 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 had they had a uh, a man on the inside. So that suggests to me that yeah they probably instigated this because that's what they do. Okay. Um, I had I had a friend who was in the Occupy movement, and she had just tons of stories about how someone would show up and be like, "Hey, fellow anarchists, <laughs> would you guys like to go commit some violent felonies?" That <laughs> <laughs> was like that, that that they tried to infiltrate so much, but and but they were just so bad at it. How do you do, fellow kids? Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Would you like to commit property crimes today? I know some property we could crime upon. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Eniash's uh, theory here that this was you know just a bunch of guys blowing off steam and that the FBI talked them into doing something that was actually conspiracy. Um, all right, new, next story. Uh, really bad news. Um, Kelsey Piper put out who, uh, if you don't know her, she works at Vox now, but she used to have a really great Tumblr called the unit of caring. The Tumblr's still there, but she doesn't write in it that often anymore. Um, she put out an article about how extreme poverty for the first time in decades is getting worse because of COVID-19. And it's really, really sucks because for, for the past probably 30 years, Global poverty has been going down, um, and it's one of the the things I always think about when people say that the world's getting worse. Uh, and I say, you know what? No, it isn't, because if you actually look at the world, things are much better than they've ever been. Um, but that was true for every year but this year. Um, so I, when I read this, I went and donated some money to GiveWell. Uh, so, and I, uh, I, I recommend everyone else does the same if you're listening. Yeah, that- that really sucks and goddamn covid goddamn covid all right speaking of covid we've got some uh, some more evidence that masks help uh a uh, a study done in canada found that uh areas that where there was a government mandate that people wear masks um managed to cut covid cases by 25 percent um and I, r- I ran this by a few people and no one could see any obvious flaws in the study um, and Zvi included it on his uh, weekly rundown, uh, which gives it some more credibility to me. And I wanted to bring this up here especially because a lot we talked a lot uh, about how government policy was pretty ineffective on COVID, that the, it really tended not to matter what the government did, that people sort of behaved the same way and the COVID numbers didn't change. Um, and this is some evidence against that. This says that actually the government mandating mask wearing does have a noticeable effect. I, yeah, I, yeah, I find that interesting. I guess it shouldn't it shouldn't have been as surprising. I always just figure people do what they're going to do without regard to the rules, but it seems I was not... My current explanation is that I was not thinking of just the signaling effects because simply Trump saying, you know, don't wear masks, they're dumb, it, it, just tweeting it out, it's not, it's not even government policy or anything. It's just something he 
tweeted, and yet that mobilized a huge part of the nation to be very much against masks, which in turn raised our COVID rates. So, you know, just having a government mandate, even if it's completely unenforced and unenforceable, may be enough of a signal that people are like, oh, yeah, we should do this thing. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that, that's possible. Um, you know, to be fair to us, the things we were talking about earlier were the lockdown orders. Yeah. Um, and we still haven't gotten any evidence that the government policy favoring lockdowns is what um, has caused, you know, causes the uh, infection rate to decrease. Um, but I, I just want, did want to mention this to show that, that there are government policies that are effective. So there are things governments could and should be doing. And it's just it's fucking wearing a piece of cloth over your face. It is the lowest <laughs> effort, smallest thing in the world and makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's not comfortable. I don't like it. But it's also not a huge no. deal. So if, just go ahead. If you could it. just wear an extra piece of clothing and reduce your risk of anything by 25%, especially something that was serious, you generally do it. Yeah. Eniash, you have a story for us about Coinbase. I do. Uh, Coinbase is trying to depoliticize their office. Uh, like many other tech companies, and even just not tech companies, just big companies in general, they've had the whole upswell of people pushing for them to get politically involved and make uh, official pronouncements as to what their uh, stance is on culture war issues. And Coinbase basically said, nah, we're not going to do any of that. Uh, they said our mission is to make money and to do this tech stuff that we've been doing. They're one of the major uh, trading hubs for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. In fact, that is where I own most of my Bitcoin in is uh, Coinbase. And they said, no, we're not making any sort of statements like that. We, in fact, we are not going to be talking politics in the office anymore. It is dividing us and taking up all your guys' work time, and it's really hurting productivity. So uh, we're going to stay focused on what our actual job is from now on. Anyone who doesn't like this is welcome to leave. We are offering very generous exit packages that were between four and six months of pay on exiting. Which Jeez. is like, yeah, that's that's a good fucking exit package. Um, and I don't know how this is going to go because it's just started. Obviously, there will be woke people in the company that are very upset by this. But uh, if this works out for them, I, I think other companies may soon follow suit because I can only imagine that unless you are a, you know, a company like Pepsi or something that's trying to get woke dollars by uh, by signaling how woke you are, uh, if you're just some any other corporation out there that is not trying to advertise towards that demographic, this sort of thing probably is hurting your productivity and screwing up your office. And if it works for Coinbase, I imagine more people will go this route or else be outcompeted and eventually go bankrupt by the ones that do. Uh, so, you know, that, that would be nice. I've always been a proponent not always i have lately been a proponent of not talking <laughs> religion or politics in the office because it's just fucking not worth it to hate uh half the people you have to spend your day with yeah at, when, so when i see um policies at tech companies about um it, how the employees have to behave uh, I, I always have to remind myself the tech is kind of a uh a unique industry in terms of employee retention, where they are always in need of programmers. Um, it's a very high-demand position, and companies compete with each other a lot about uh, how to get the, the, the good programmers. Um, so I think this is a really good move from Coinbase, because right now, you know, if you are a you know, far-left liberal, you could basically go to any company and talk about your politics, and then you'll be very... Uh, uh, accepted and encouraged um but then anyone who's not doesn't really have anywhere to go and i think most people would just rather not talk about it at work um keep that separate and so i think this is going to i you know my prediction is that this is going to make it easier for coinbase to hire um and i agree that a lot of other companies will probably follow suit and maybe we'll get to a point where uh Religion and politics are not talked about at work, uh, which would be nice. I know that the the um, owners of every company that I have worked for in my life have been rather conservative. They've always been Republican. Uh, the more than 50% of the ones I've worked at have been uh, 
Catholic, which is interesting, strongly uh, religious and Republican. And I have always been extremely grateful that never once when I worked at either any of these places, did I have to, you know, pay any sort of lip service to their beliefs. Like, I generally found out about it in a roundabout way or just in the way of like, you know, they're billionaires, of course, they're conservative kind of thing. Um, so I don't want to have to work in an office where I have to take into account, oh, my owner is this uh, Republican Catholic. I have to watch what I say and make sure it toes that party line, even though I'm a Democrat liberal because that and an atheist because uh, life's going to suck for me if I don't. I would I would rather just not work at one of those places. And so I appreciate that they, you know didn't proselytize and i would like yeah. this to be more common yeah and i think it's a real classy move to be offering um severance pay yeah at the levels they are because this is something they're springing on people and i think it's it shows good faith um that they're not just trying to be assholes here um they're really trying to build a company culture that's comfortable for people that want to keep their politics out of their work and people that don't they are giving them a you know, a, a great opportunity to uh, go work at a different company. All right. So that's our last news story. So that means it's time for happy news. Woo! And our first happy news, and this is entirely partisan, but I don't care. Uh, 538 has Biden at 86% to win the election, um, which is, is numbers just keep going up. Uh, it was you know, just a month ago. I think it was in the 50s. And it's just shot up thanks to uh, I, I don't know exactly why I could blame it on anyone uh, or a combination of all of Trump's antics. Uh, or maybe it's just people realizing that the election's getting closer and the, they really don't want to vote for this dude. Um, the other good news is that 538 has the Democrats at 69 percent to take the nice. Senate, which I was am very surprised by. If you had asked me a month ago, I would have said. That the Democrats would probably be uh, the the Republicans would be the favorite to hang on to the Senate, and the numbers have just completely changed in the past month or two to uh, make the Democrats a pretty strong favorite, um, which would mean they can actually do things. Um, you know, it, it's unclear whether uh, they're going to be getting rid of the filibuster. So maybe they won't be able to do that much, but they'll at least be able to pass some things through budget reconciliation. They'll at least be able to confirm judges. That's fucking awesome. Uh, so that would be great. Yeah. I, I find myself hoping that that percentage does not change for the rest of the race. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. And uh, David, is this your story about honeybees? This is mine. Okay. Uh, so the other happy news, and this is, I think, the first non-political news we've had this today, is that there has been a 14% increase in the number of honeybee colonies from January 2019 to January 2020. Uh, so we can't even blame that on COVID, because it happened before the COVID thing started. <laughs> nice. uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure all of you guys remember, but for a number of years, there was this constant colony collapse uh, problem that everyone was worried about, where bee colonies were just dying off, and it was could be a serious problem if they went away entirely but uh yeah 14 percent increase lately uh maine maine was the really big one uh their calling numbers grew by 73 percent since 2018 awesome. yeah so they're the in, right. in terms of numbers it's been uh tens of thousands of new colonies so yeah uh good good times there's been a recovery yeah. not full recovery yeah, and but uh, colony Colony collapse disorder, you know, did get a little overblown in the news. It was definitely happening, um, but there was no there was no real chance of uh, you know just not having any bees because we have enough we have we, we have enough bees being raised by farmers um, to pollinate all of the at least the U.S. agriculture, sure. um, and that's that's mostly how farmers who who need pollination get it done. They have beekeepers come in. Um, but it's it, this is still great news um, because just having the bees out naturally is uh, is much easier and uh, helps yeah, a lot. So uh, one of my favorite uh, papers in economics is actually about uh, the economics of beekeeping because um, there's this idea in economics called the Coase Theorem, which is basically uh, when there are um, uh, when there are uh, exchanges that produce externalities, 
where property rights are clearly defined and transaction costs are low, then the uh, people affected by the externality will basically pay each other to not uh, do the thing causing the externality or um, or uh, pay them to do more of it if it's a positive externality and so on. And um, this paper uh, called The Fable of the Bees uh, looked at beekeepers who were keeping bees close to crops that make good honey and versus crops that make bad honey. And uh, they found that the beekeepers would pay the farmers if they were near apples or oranges or other good honey crops. And um, the farmers would pay the beekeepers if they were near, like, wheat or other um, bad honey crops. And yeah, it's a good paper. Empirical coast papers are fun. All right. And if you play Stardew Valley, you know that fairy roses make the best honey. (laughs) All right. Well, that takes us to troop deployments. As we know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our three hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield. And we will start with David. Yeah, so I realize that this is a little bit preaching to the choir. uh, But I wanted to give my argument against voting for Trump. Because... Trump did the worst thing that he has done in his entire presidency uh, in this past fortnight uh, when he one of part of his treatment for COVID has been a strong run of um, of steroids. And this to quote a piece from Reason that will be linked in the show notes. um, Sorry, they are quoting The Washington Post. Uh, this drug's possible side effects include psychic derangements and frank psychotic manifestations. <laughs> and Trump did not take the 25th and pass, uh, in particular, nuclear command to Pence, which is insane. Because, like, Pence is a total Trump lapdog. So it's not like he's going to be worried that he's going to, like, give up power in any meaningful sense. Pence goes rogue. And, and, and he is keeping nuclear launch authority when he is on drugs that can cause frank psychotic manifestations. And that is the single worst thing that Trump has ever done because he's playing Russian roulette with the entire species. And, like, I think that Trump hasn't been as terrible as some people do. I think he has mostly been bad, but I think Clinton would have been mostly bad too. But this is unfathomable and unforgivable. And it, I, I am a strong believer in keeping personal stuff separate from political stuff, but... If you if you know about this and you understand it and you still vote for Trump, I honestly don't know what to do with you. That's just it's unconscionable. Yeah. All right, Eniash. Well, mine is really almost nothing compared to world <laughs> nuclear war. But uh, <laughs> sorry, my <laughs> no, it's good. My troop deployment is uh, was something that was someone reminded me of earlier this week. If you have any asset accounts that you just let sit, like, say, stocks or bonds or uh, even bitcoins or somewhere just to accumulate value, yes, the correct thing generally to do with those things is just let them sit for years and years, don't monkey with them, and then collect the payout after 20 years when you retire. But uh, you should log in to any of these accounts at least once every three years, uh, lest the government declare them abandoned and seize them. Uh, this is a thing that can happen. It's called a cheatment. Uh, I know that personally I deal with this uh, every month and have for many years because I work in accounting and sometimes we send people checks and then the checks just don't get cashed. And after about a year or so, because uh, we track every single check we send out, we take the money and we give it to the government instead. We say, hey, we this person never cashed their check, but the money isn't legally ours, so now it is yours. And the government holds on to it and can refund it to the person if they ever uh, ask the government for it, which, by the way, is a great reason for everyone to Google themselves on their government websites to see if the government is holding any money that they should have. Uh, my brother got like 30 bucks for it not too long ago. Um, 
But the point is, uh, some things like uh, stock accounts may be declared abandoned uh, if you just haven't logged in in a number of years, in which case the government takes them, sells them all off, and pockets the money, and will give it back to you without interest if you ever ask for it again. And the problem with that is that you're over the 20 years that you had those things invested, they would have uh, gained a lot more value than the whatever they were sold for 17 years ago and no interest. And uh, you have basically no recourse because they're the government and they make the laws. So uh, yeah, log in every now and then, keep those things uh, pinging, updated that you're, you're still alive in there. Yeah, and an easy way to do that uh, is get your tax documents online. So it forces you to log in at least once a year. Oh, good, good point. Yeah, so uh, you don't even have to remember. All right, and my soldier this week is about COVID-19. Uh, as we get close to the election, I've heard some people trying to downplay how much Trump screwed up the COVID response. So let me be clear, it did not need to be like this. Trump knew about it in February, and lockdown started in March. It's now October. If we had actual leadership, we could have spent March, April, and May focused on developing, producing, and distributing a comprehensive test and trace program that let us go about our lives with minimal disruption by the summer. We could have had at-home rapid tests by now. If necessary, the Defense Production Act could have been used, and this all could have been done without congressional approval. Instead, the Trump administration lied, downplayed the threat, told us not to wear masks, banned private companies from developing tests for weeks, and explicitly sabotaged our texting regime so the numbers wouldn't look as bad. Now, we've talked about a lot of the ways the CDC and the FDA, both executive branch agencies, lied and prevented an effective response. Every step of the way, the Trump administration made things worse, not better. It's true that he ordered travel restrictions from China, but by then the airlines had already done something similar. COVID was already here, and he let thousands of people travel from China to the U.S. after the so-called ban, so it didn't really do anything. So to the people saying this isn't Trump's fault, of course he didn't make the virus, but he is responsible for our abysmal response, and he is the reason we can't have Halloween parties this October. Ooh. So please do what you can to make sure he does not get another term. He has canceled goth Christmas, and we hate him for this. Gotta, gotta say, I like the lawyer voice, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Do you sound like that when you make a final deliberations or final present, whatever the thing is called? Oh, Neat. yeah. Okay. It's the whole thing. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, please follow us on all the things. If you love us, uh, donate to our Patreon, and you'll get access to bonus episodes and our special Discord channel where you can talk to us uh, and not have any uh, normal people interrupting the conversation. Um, if you love us or hate us, leave us a review. And come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.